0: can you hear them? No? Here they come again. Someday these voices will make me either a madman or a genius. The thing is that I hear them in my head on a loop, and in fact, they help me in many ways, but sometimes they just drive me crazy. My story is about them. To be honest, I don't remember my life without them at all. My first childhood memory is that I was about three years old. My father and I stopped at a gas station, and he was about to go to the opposite side of the road to buy me some ice cream. When dad started to move away from the car, I heard a man's voice shouting in my head. Stop, wait, dad, don't go. Everett, why don't you stop him? I got out of the car and screamed asking dad to come back. Dad turned around and walked towards me. At that moment, on the road which he was supposed to cross, A terrible accident, in which several people were killed, happened. I mean, my dad was supposed to be dead in just a couple of seconds. If I hadn't called him, he would have been there. My father was so happy that he burst into tears and thanked me for saving him. It was strange, but he thought it was just a coincidence, so I didn't tell them about the voices that time. They entertained me when I was bored, telling interesting stories and giving valuable advice. Moreover, their advice was like predictions that had always come true. For example, they asked me to duck down because a soccer ball was about to fly towards my head. And it did. And I missed a blow to the head by a close shave. Or they told me to get out of the water and go away from it. And a huge destructive wave arose in the sea in a few seconds. Of course, I totally trusted them because the information they gave was always true, and there was not a single miss. By the way, the voices were always different, men's, women's, children's, but it didn't affect the quality of forecasts. At school, I realized that they told me the right answers and solutions. Sometimes, it was so unexpected that the teachers suspected me of wearing a midget microphone or other spy devices. To tell you the truth, I didn't study at all at school for a couple of years. I didn't even know how to read and count because the voices did all this stuff for me. And then I realized that it sucked because I had to learn how to write, but I still couldn't read it. You say it's impossible, and I say it really happened. That's why I had a serious conflict with the voices. I asked them to let me learn basic stuff and not to decide from me whether I needed it or not. They were silent, and I learned the basic stuff at school by the sweat of my brow. Believe me, I had a lot to catch up with, but my invisible friends couldn't remain silent for a long time, and soon, they started to talk again. Here they come again. I haven't seen them, or rather, haven't heard them for too long. Once, when I was in the fifth grade, I came into the computer science classroom and saw a tenth grader's notebook on the desk. I opened it, and then everything happened as in a fog. Two voices read out loud the exercises, and told me their solutions at the same time, and I wrote it all down. Then there were many students, teachers, and even the principal in the classroom. They asked me what I was doing there, and how I knew the correct answers. I just shrugged. They were sure that I had a micro device in my ear, and someone told me the solutions and the right answers. Actually, sometimes I thought so too when I grew up a bit and realized that not everyone had secret advisors in their head. But who were they? And where could I find them? Once, I even tried to scratch raw my ear in order to remove something that was talking there. But I ended up in a hospital Where I had a surgery. It turned out that I injured my eardrum while I was looking for it. Then, I turned to the doctors with a request to deal with my head and find the one who was sitting there. My words seemed strange to them. Nevertheless, they agreed to examine me. And you know what? I was fine. Except for one small and seemingly insignificant detail. I had an open fontanelle on my head, like the one that babies have. For your information, It is located between the top of the head and the forehead, and it's not covered with bones of the skull after birth. It remains soft for about a year and a half, and then it becomes covered with skull bones. So it wasn't covered with skull bones in my case, and I had always thought that it should be so. It was a big surprise when I found out that not everyone had a fontanelle. In fact, only me and babies had it. For some reason, I immediately thought that this peculiarity had something to do with the voices and began to study it in terms of esotericism. Well, my information search turned out to be very interesting and informative. It turned out that almost every culture had certain beliefs associated with the baby's fontanelle. They're all interpreted differently, but the meaning is the same. The baby's fontanelle is the way they are connected with space or higher forces that make them invulnerable, enlightened, and spiritualized. It is believed that high frequency signals and universal energy enter the brain through the fontanelle. That's why babies are equated with deities in many countries. It seems that this is the reason for my phenomenon, and I hear these voices either from space or from a parallel universe. After all, they know the answers to all questions and are very intelligent compared to people. Of course, I've repeatedly asked them who they are and where they come from, but they don't tell me anything about themselves. They only say what they think is necessary and completely ignore my off-topic messages, so I still can't understand who they are. However, their presence can sometimes drive me crazy. I can't force them to shut up and I become really outraged. I love silence and loneliness. And they are able to chat 24-7. And sometimes I can't even fall asleep because of them or wake up in the middle of the night and listen to their reasoning. At such moments, I ask them to be silent for at least an hour so that I can rest a bit. But they completely ignore me. I go nuts at such moments. I'm losing it. And, you know, the older I get, the more they bother me. Sometimes it's hard for me to hear my own thoughts because they interrupt them. And sometimes they try to make me think that their voices are my thoughts. Because of this, I have to constantly monitor what is happening in my head. I'm afraid to lose control and become their puppet. I mean, completely lose my identity? Is this possible? I don't know, but I'm very afraid of it. Besides, I think about people who have become insane. After all, most of them hear some kind of voices as well. What if I join their ranks sooner or later? After all. It's a risky game because the voices are really stronger, more cunning, and smarter than me. In order to not get depressed from all these thoughts and not go crazy ahead of time, I try to distract myself and take advantage of the situation to the fullest. For example, a year ago, I passed exams for two classes to study with a girl I like. Of course, I could finish school and university with the help of the voices at once, but so far, I don't need it. I began to participate in intellectual games and tournaments, and it made me popular and famous in certain circles. They say I have a promising future, and they admire me, and this is absolutely not my achievement, because it happens only thanks to the voices that know absolutely everything. I'm always in the spotlight at school as well, because I can answer any question. Do you need to multiply 6,789,000 by 3,200,000 mentally? Easy. It's 21 trillion, 724 billion, and 800 million. Do you need the geographic coordinates of Punta Mariato? 7 degrees north latitude and 80 degrees west longitude. My classmates and friends never Google. Instead, they say, okay, Everett. You know, it really flatters me. At such moments, I feel like an almighty half robot Superman. Sometimes even teachers turn to me for answers because even they don't know everything, and I do. But it's not me. It's the voices I hear in my head. My friends call me a freaking genius. They want to try walking in my shoes. But for some reason, they don't believe that I have a very hard time, and this coin has a reverse side. Recently, I was at a consultation at a health clinic and asked if there was an opportunity to close my fontanel so that I might stop hearing them. The doctors arranged a consultation and said that they could perform a craniotomy and insert a plate, but in this case, there may be a lot of side effects from lifelong headaches to loss of vision or dementia. In addition, the recovery period after such a surgery lasts too long, and the doctors say that they would perform it only as a last resort. They asked me to consider all the pros and cons and think carefully whether I need this surgery because they don't guarantee that I will stop hearing the voices after it. I have no idea what to do. On the one hand, I've never lived without them, and they are more like a given for me. On the other hand, sometimes they scare me and interfere with my life. I'm afraid that I can go crazy because of them. What would you do if you were me? Would you take a risk and undergo a complicated surgery, or leave everything as it is? I'm looking forward to your answers in the comments.
1: Hey, my name is Tom and i've always struggled with my weight i've been overweight for as long as i can remember tired of feeling down about myself i decided to join a gym to improve my health and fitness as i walked in i was immediately intimidated by all the fit and muscular people working out around me but i was determined to make a change the gym coach jake was the epitome of the popular guy athletic cocky and always surrounded by his equally fit friends To make matters worse, he had a stunning athletic girlfriend named Amy. I couldn't help but feel embarrassed by my body and lack of fitness compared to everyone else, especially Amy. As I started working out, I found it really difficult to keep up with the routines, and Jake's continuous mockery only made me feel worse. One day, as I struggled to finish a set of push-ups, Jake sauntered over with a smirk on his face. Hey, Tom! You know, it's uh, not a competition to see who can do the fewest push ups in a minute, he sneered, clearly enjoying my discomfort. Trying to brush off his comments, I replied, Well, at least I'm trying, Jake. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know? Jake laughed, unimpressed by my comeback. True, but at this rate, you'll be ripped and ready for the cover of Nerdy Fitness Weekly in a lifetime. During a group workout session, Jake decided to pair people up for partner exercises. To my dismay, he paired me with his girlfriend, Amy. As we started the routine, I could feel Jake's eyes on us, ready to pounce on any opportunity to humiliate me. When we moved on to partner squats, Jake couldn't resist by making another dig. Wow, Tom, you're really struggling there. Maybe you should just try squatting with a book instead of Amy. You know, something more your speed. Despite the embarrassment, I refused to let Jake's taunts get the better of me. Very funny, Jake. I'm just getting warmed up. As the days went by, the humiliation only intensified. During a cardio session, Jake sneered. Maybe you should lose some weight first before attempting this, Tom. Don't pass out this time like you did last week. I gritted my teeth and responded. Thanks for the concern, but I've got this, Jake. In another instance, while I was struggling to use the weight machines, Jake mockingly suggested, Hey, Tom, don't break the equipment with all that weight you're carrying. We wouldn't want to have to replace it. I rolled my eyes and retorted, Don't worry, Jake. I think your ego is a greater threat to this place than I am. One day, as I stumbled during a workout, Jake jeered. Did you just roll off the couch, Tom? You really shouldn't be here among us athletes. This gym is no place for druggies and dropouts. Frustrated by his relentless bullying, I snapped back. You know what, Jake? I may not be as fit as you, but at least I'm working on it. Could you say the same about your personality? Little did I know that my life was about to take a surprising turn, and Jake's attempt to mock me would backfire in a way he never expected. Despite Jake's continuous mockery, I started noticing that Amy didn't share her boyfriend's mean-spirited attitude. In fact, she was nothing like the popular stereotype I had expected her to be. She was kind, supportive, and even encouraging as we worked out together. Come on, Tom! You can do it! Just a few more reps! she'd say during our training sessions, her voice full of genuine encouragement. Under Amy's guidance and support, I began to make significant progress at the gym. My strength and endurance improved, and I started to excel in the exercises. Jake, however, only seemed to intensify his humiliating tactics. One day, as I struggled to lift a particularly heavy weight, Jake called out, Careful, Tom! Don't want you to get a hernia or something! The whole gym laughed as my face turned red with embarrassment. As Amy and I grew closer, Jake's jealousy and possessiveness started to show. He would hover around us during workouts, making snide remarks and trying to belittle me at every opportunity. He even went as far as accusing me of trying to steal his girlfriend. Things came to a head when Jake claimed to have caught Amy and me kissing on his 4K camera. He stormed into the gym one day, waving his phone around like a trophy, and confronted us in front of everybody. You two have been sneaking around behind my back, huh? Well, guess what? i've got proof amy clearly fed up with jake's behavior took a deep breath and looked him in the eye jake it's over between us i can't be with someone who treats people the way you do you're constantly putting tom down but he's shown me that there's more to life than just being fit and popular the gym fell silent Everyone staring at the unfolding drama i stepped forward taking amy's hand in mine jake you've got to learn that it's not about how you look or what you can do physically It's about how you treat people and what kind of person you are inside. Jake stood there, stunned, as Amy and I walked out of the gym together, hand in hand. In the days that followed, word spread about what had happened. People started to look up to me, not only because of my newfound confidence and gym prowess, but also because I had shown them that being a good person matters more than popularity. In the following weeks, Amy and I continued to grow closer, our bond stronger than ever. But Jake couldn't accept that things were over between him and Amy. He resorted to stalking us, making our lives miserable with his unwelcome presence. One evening, as Amy and I sat down for a romantic dinner at a local restaurant, Jake sauntered in uninvited. He pointed at me, sneering, Hey, Tom, couldn't you at least put on a decent shirt? You look like a homeless guy. Are you sure you can afford this place? During one of our weekend outings to the park, Jake appeared out of nowhere, a smug grin plastered on his face. He looked at my worn-out sneakers and said loudly, What's the matter, Tom? Did you have to fish those out of a dumpster? How pathetic. As Amy and I walked through the mall, Jake followed us from store to store, making snide remarks about my inability to afford the latest trends. Oh, look at Tom, browsing the sales rack like he's hunting for treasure. Gotta pinch those pennies, huh? At a local coffee shop where Amy and I were enjoying a quiet afternoon, Jake burst in and started ridiculing me in front of everyone. Hey, Tom. I bet you're only here because they have free Wi-Fi. Can't afford internet at home, can you? That's just sad. One day, as Amy and I were headed to the movies, Jake intercepted us, feigning concern. Are you sure you wanna go in there, Tom? Last I heard, they don't accept food stamps for movie tickets. Despite Jake's constant harassment, I remained patient, determined not to let him ruin my newfound happiness. One day, I decided it was time to reveal a secret I had kept hidden. I was actually a millionaire. My wealth had accumulated through smart investments and a successful business, but the stress of all of it led me to gain weight. Now, this should be interesting. I mused as I shared the news with Amy, who was ecstatic. Together, we decided it was time to use my wealth for a greater purpose and see how Jake would react. When Jake caught wind of the news, he was stunned. He approached me hesitantly, his voice dripping with disbelief. Is it true, Tom? Are you really rich? I grinned, my eyes twinkling with amusement. Yes, Jake, it's true. But my wealth doesn't define who I am. I've learned that true happiness comes from the relationships we build and the person we become. I announced that I would be starting a charity to combat bullying and create a safe space for those affected by it. As part of the initiative, I would be purchasing the gym where we all worked out and appointing Amy as the top trainer. Surprise, Jake! You never really know who you're mocking, do you? I teased, reveling in his shock. But don't worry, I have a proposition for you too. I extended an invitation to Jake, offering him a chance to participate in the charity and help out at the gym. But there was a catch. His role at the gym would be that of a janitor. It was an opportunity for him to learn humility and the value of hard work. As I reveled in the idea of Jake's newfound humility, another unexpected revelation came to light. It turned out that Jake had been hiding a secret of his own. He was the heir to a massive fortune, but he had been concealing it in order to live a normal life, away from the pressures of wealth and expectation. When his secret was revealed, the dynamic between Jake, Amy, and me shifted dramatically. No longer driven by jealousy and insecurity, Jake embraced his role as a janitor at the gym and became an active participant in the charity. It seemed that by revealing my own wealth, I had inadvertently allowed Jake to come to terms with his. We confronted Jake about his hidden fortune, and he was surprisingly candid about it. Yeah, it's true i've been hiding my wealth to live a life where i'm not constantly judged by my bank account but seeing you tom being open about your riches and using them for good it's made me realize that i can do the same the gym community witnessing our transformations rallied around us we all worked together to create a better more inclusive environment with amy leading the way as head trainer as we focused on combating bullying and promoting kindness and respect We discovered that true success and happiness don't come from wealth or popularity, but again from the relationships we build and the people we become. In the weeks that followed, the bonds between us all grew stronger. Jake, now humbled and dedicated to making a difference, became an essential part of our charitable endeavors, and I continued to use my resources for the greater good. It was a testament to the power of redemption and the importance of the relationships we form in our lives. Just when it seemed like everything was finally falling into place, another twist emerged. A mysterious benefactor had been supporting the gym all along. This anonymous individual had been responsible for keeping the gym afloat during tough times and was now ready to reveal their identity. To our astonishment, the mysterious benefactor was none other than Jake's long-lost father, who had been monitoring his son's actions from afar. I wanted to see if you could change, Jake, his father explained. I'm proud to see that you have. As Jake stood in belief, Amy chimed in. Looks like life has a way of teaching us all a lesson or two. Huh, Jake. With newfound humility and a chance at redemption, Jake embraced his role at the gym and in the charity, proving that we all have the power to change for the better. My name is Alexei, and I come from a family of Russian oligarchs. Wealth has always been a part of my life, but I never really felt like I belonged in that world. I remember the time my father offered me a pet tiger for my birthday. Even then, I knew it wasn't for me. So, I decided to leave that life behind and go undercover, blending into society as a poor man. I found a modest apartment in the city and landed a job at a company that, unbeknownst to everyone, was actually owned by my family. I kept my true identity shrouded in secrecy, a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. I worked under David, my boss, who constantly disrespected me. Every slight he threw my way only fueled my determination to keep my secret biding my time for the perfect moment to reveal the truth. Little did he know who he was truly dealing with or the sheer magnitude of the surprise that awaited him. One day, David decided to berate me in front of everyone. Alexei, your incompetence never ceases to amaze me. Do you have any idea how much your mistakes cost this company? I rolled my eyes, deciding to clap back with some wit. You know, David, they say great leaders inspire greatness in others but all you seem to inspire is a headache. David's face turned red with anger. You insolent little, watch your tongue, or you'll be out of a job before you can say unemployment. I smirked, feeling the suspense build up. Well, if I'm so terrible at my job, David, why don't you tell me exactly how to improve? Or is it that you're too busy driving that shiny Lambo of yours to bother with us lowly employees? He clenched his jaw struggling to find a retort. You, you just wait, Alexi! One of these days you'll learn the hard way that you can't talk to your superior like that. Oh, I can't wait for that day, David. I replied with a grin, fully aware of the dramatic irony in our conversation. Little did he know that the power dynamic would soon shift in my favor. David's face turned red, but before he could respond, Natasha walked into the room. As Natasha, A breathtaking woman exuding sophistication sauntered into the office. Her presence was like a magnet, instantly grabbing my attention. I found myself captivated by her beauty, yet I couldn't shake the underlying feeling of arrogance and materialism that clung to her aura. It was a dangerous combination, but the enigma that surrounded her had me hopelessly intrigued, ensnaring me in a web of suspense and attraction as she walked by my desk. I gathered my courage and decided to strike up a conversation. Excuse me, I said, trying to sound as suave as possible. I don't think we've met before. I'm Alexi. She arched an eyebrow and looked me up and down, her gaze assessing me like a priceless artifact. Natasha, she replied with a cool, detached tone. So, Alexi, what brings you to this mundane world of nine-to-fine drudgery? I grinned embracing the challenge her question presented. Ah, well, Natasha, sometimes you have to experience the ordinary to truly appreciate the extraordinary. Don't you think? She smirked, clearly intrigued by my response. Interesting perspective. You're not like the others here, are you, Alexei? I leaned in, lowering my voice to a conspirational whisper. Maybe I'm not, Natasha, but that's for you to discover. Isn't it?" As our conversation continued, the electricity between us was palpable, making the air around us crackle with anticipation. The meeting of our two worlds promised an adventure neither of us could have ever imagined. Over the next few months, Natasha and I grew closer, and I slowly fell in love with her despite her materialistic tendencies. One day, I decided to take a leap of faith and propose to her with my grandmother's ring an exquisite piece worth millions of dollars. As I got down on one knee, I presented the ring to Natasha, whose eyes widened in disbelief. Alexei, is this some kind of joke? She scoffed, inspecting the ring with a look of disgust. This looks so cheap. How could you think I'd accept such a pathetic proposal? I was taken aback by her reaction, my heart sinking with disappointment. I tried to speak up, but she cut me off. You're nothing, Alexei. You can't give me the life I deserve. And now that I think about it, I'm leaving you. For David, the words hit me like a ton of bricks. David, my arrogant, condescending boss. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But before I could process the situation, Natasha tossed the precious ring away. A cruel dismissal of our love. Crushed and betrayed, I knew it was time to return to my true identity give Natasha the taste of the high life she so desperately craved. I sought solace in my family's luxurious yacht, moored in the city's marina. The next day, as I was leaving the yacht with a group of influential business people, I spotted Natasha and David approaching in his Lamborghini. The sight of me surrounded by wealth and power instantly piqued Natasha's interest, and she rushed over, interrupting our conversation. Alexi, I had no idea you were… well… Who you really are, she stammered, her eyes wide with shock and regret. I was so wrong about you. Could you ever forgive me? I smirked, feeling the suspense of the moment. Oh, I'll take you back, Natasha. But be prepared for the wildest ride of your life. And so began my plan to teach Natasha a lesson about valuing people for who they are, not their wealth. Little did she know the roller coaster of emotions and experiences that awaited her every single day i planned a new over-the-top event immersing her in the madness of wealth and excess our first stop was a lavish gala held in a beautiful mansion the event dripping with opulence as we walked around through the grand entrance natasha's eyes sparkled taking in the breathtaking surroundings i never knew such a world existed alexi she admitted awestruck i smirked already sensing her discomfort Oh, Natasha, this is only the beginning, I teased, leading her to the dance floor where we waltzed the night away. As the days went by, the extravagance only increased. From exclusive fashion shows to attending private concerts with world-famous musicians, I was determined to push Natasha to her limits. She began to struggle with the constant onslaught of luxurious experiences, the superficiality of it all becoming more evident. With every passing day, the pressure mounted. Natasha's eyes widened as she attended yet another opulent event or boarded another private jet. Alexei, I feel so out of place here, she whispered, her voice wavering. I leaned in, my voice low and deliberate. But Natasha, isn't this the life you always wanted? Surrounded by wealth and luxury, day by day. I could see her growing more and more exhausted with the constant whirlwind of extravagance. The constant barrage of luxury was taking its toll on her, pushing her to the breaking point. Finally, one night as we stood on the deck of my family's yacht, I could see that Natasha had reached her limit. The once alluring world of the ultra-rich had become a suffocating, hollow existence, and she could no longer bear it. As her eyes filled with tears, I revealed the truth about the ring she had so carelessly discarded. That ring, Natasha, was worth millions. Your inability to see its true value only proves how blinded you were by wealth and status. Natasha's voice trembled as she spoke. I'm so sorry, Alexei. I didn't know. I didn't understand. I sighed, the suspense hanging heavy in the air, knowing that the time had come to confront her. Natasha. Do you realize why I did all of this? I asked, my voice laced with emotion. She looked at me, her eyes filled with confusion. What do you mean, Alexei? I took a deep breath, ready to reveal the truth. I wanted to teach you the importance of valuing people for who they are, not their wealth, all the luxuries, the extravagance. It was all a lesson. A tense silence settled between us as the reality of my words sank in. Slowly, Natasha began to understand the lesson I had been trying to teach her. She finally saw the superficiality of the ultra-wealthy lifestyle and how it had distorted her priorities. Tears welled up in her eyes as she reached for my hand. "'Alexi, I... I never realized how wrong I was. I can't believe you went through all of this just to teach me a lesson!' I nodded, my eyes locked on hers. "'I did it because I love you, Natasha.' and I believe you can change. As Natasha's perspective shifted over time, she began to appreciate the simpler things in life, cherishing the love and personal growth that came with it. Together, we realized that wealth and status were not the keys to happiness, and we decided to leave that world behind. But life had other plans. Enter Anastasia, the daughter of another wealthy family, who was determined to win my heart. She constantly tried to impress me with her lavish lifestyle and endless resources, attempting to lure me back into the world I had left behind. The tension between Natasha and Anastasia grew, as they both competed for my affection. One evening, at a charity event, the rivalry between them reached its climax. Anastasia approached me, her eyes glittering with determination. "Alexei, you belong in our world. Not with someone like Natasha. She'll never understand you like I do. I raised an eyebrow, intrigued by her audacity. Really, Anastasia, and what makes you think you understand me so well? But before I could get a response, Natasha stepped forward, her face a mix of anger and hurt. Alexei doesn't need your world, Anastasia. He's seen the emptiness it brings, and so have I. Anastasia scoffed, her eyes narrowing. You're just afraid of losing him, Natasha. But you can't compete with me. I can give him everything you can't. Natasha stood her ground, her eyes locked on Anastasia. It's not about what you can give him. It's about who you are. Alexei isn't swayed by material things anymore. The air was thick with suspense as I looked between the two women. Knowing I had to make a choice, I took Natasha's hand facing Anastasia with a resolute expression. Anastasia, your world has nothing to offer me. Natasha and I have found happiness in each other, not in material possessions. Anastasia's face fell and she stormed off, leaving us alone. Natasha looked up at me, her eyes filled with gratitude and love. Thank you, Alexei. I'm so glad we've learned the true value of life together. As the weeks went by, Natasha and I continued to grow closer. Embracing our new life together. One day, while we were packing our belongings to move to a more modest home, Natasha stumbled upon something that took her breath away. The ring she had once thrown away in a fit of arrogance and misunderstanding. Her eyes welled with tears as she picked up the exquisite piece, now understanding its true value. Alexei, she whispered, her voice filled with emotion. I found the ring, the one you proposed with. I can't believe it's been here all along. I walked over, a tender smile on my face, and took the ring from her trembling hand. It's never too late, Natasha, I said softly, taking her hand in mine. Will you marry me, not for the wealth or the status, but for the love we've found together? Natasha nodded, tears streaming down her cheeks. Yes, Alexei, yes, I will. I gently slid the ring onto her finger, and we embraced our hearts overflowing with love and gratitude. Together, we faced our future with renewed determination, ready to leave behind the world of wealth and embrace the true, authentic life that awaited us. Hand in hand, we walked away from our past, ready to embark on a new journey. Our story, full of suspense and twists, came to a close with a powerful message about the importance of humility, love, and personal growth. Lessons we would carry with us for the rest of our lives.